Welcome to another episode of the SNC Podcast. I am your host, Shade Anozier. My guest this week is SARS. SARS is one of the top music producers in Nigeria who has made a name for himself producing for artists such as Niniola, Jabless, The Late Dagrin, Wizkid, Reminisce, to name a few. SARS explains his journey into music, the creative process behind some of his biggest hits thus far, the business of music, and more. So it goes without saying that you had an amazing 2017. Did I? You did, you really? <laughs> so really? That, yes, you had an amazing, amazing t- 2017. Talk to us about that. Um, uh, First off, you know, I'm grateful to God, you know, for being alive, you know, for the grace of over me. And I mean, I've been working. I always, you know, always been putting in work. But um, 2017, you know, I just had more music, you know, released by the people I worked with. So it's just amazing, to be honest. I I don't think there's really anything I have to say about because it wasn't like, you know, it was planned that, you know, everything that happened was going to happen the way it did. So, but, you know, I'm grateful. Most of the songs, you know, I, um, that was produced by me or released by me in 2017, you know, was a smash. And that's, that's Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we go further into 2017, let's go back a little. Okay. Apparently your entry into music was a mistake. Not a mistake. Okay. It just happened. Talk to us about the How did it just happen? Um... A friend of mine introduced me to music production because he, I think he saw that my interest in music was really, was a lot. And um, he was in a group and I was always around these guys, you know, you know, they rap, they make beats as well. And I was always fascinated by stuff like that. And, you know. I always listen to Timberland, um, Pharrell. Yeah, all the usual suspects. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and you know I could memorize beats, even like after listening to the song, I still remember what the beat sounds like. Mm. So yeah. you know he was like, you know, you should try producing and see what it's like. Yeah. I was like, okay, and I tried it and I made a beat and I sold that beat. So before you go into how you tried it, were you, did you go on YouTube to learn or were you like shadowing people? I was on YouTube in Nigeria at that time. And that's what I'm saying. So you had to walk us through. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't, you know, shadow anyone. I think, I think it's just talent. Okay. Yeah. So I just tried it for the Mm -hmm. first time. That's because uh, with uh, my producer, FL Studio, with Mm -hmm. FL Studio, they have this step sequencer that's kind of easy, you know, for beginners. If you just, you know, by just by clicking, you know, Mm -hmm. different blocks here and there. You can just create a pattern, and that's pretty much what I did. Okay. You know, and I was really interested. You know, I just kept on practicing and practicing, and um, I also had a demo version, yeah, of oh. FL Studio. Oh, okay. So yeah. that gave you like a kind of like got your feet wet. No, it was actually hard because I couldn't save. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult because yeah. I couldn't save, so I'll make it beat. And I'll export as Wave or MP3. Mm-hmm. And I'll play it to people. And they'll be like, oh, I really like this beat. No, or I want this beat. Then I have to go and make it again. Maybe if they want to change. Or like, okay, I think this part should be the chorus. Or this part should be the verse. I don't have the data because mm-hmm. I can't save. Yeah. So I have to create the beat again. So there are certain beats I make like 10 times. But I guess, you know, that builds build, um, character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just helped me, Fine you know, team. make my process yeah. faster yeah. until... You know, I got, you know, a version that I could save with. That's yeah. really cool. So, yeah, who did you sell your first beat to? 
uh, they're not known. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. was just uh, some boys, yeah. you know, around. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that feel like? It was good because, you know, I didn't think, you know, I could do something to make money at that age. Because I was really young. I was mm-hmm. probably like 17 or oh, wow. Yeah, and, um, you know, I was getting to that age where I asked my dad for money and he would look at me like... <laughs> what do you need it for? Yeah, like, you're you're becoming a man, so, you know. <laughs> Asking me for money. Yeah. So, I sold it for 3K. Hmm. And 3K back then was... It was big money. Cool money for yeah. me at that point uh-huh. because I didn't have 3K. No one was going to give me 3K mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. If I asked my mom for money, she was going to give me like 500 and a half. <laughs> so... That's so time six. A lot. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, that also motivated me to continue because I was like, okay, cool, I can, mm-hmm. you know, make a living for myself. Yeah. So when you sold your first beat and then you got your three k, you now said, okay, this there's something there, right? I loved it. Like okay. I, I just knew I wasn't gonna do anything else because I just wanted to, you know, make mm-hmm. music. I was spending hours and hours. I wasn't going out anymore. Yeah. You know, any chance I get, I just want to make music. So. What did your family say? Did you, did you tell them that you sold your first beat? Did you tell them? No, because, no. you know, they were just going to stop. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so at what point did they say, Saz, you're not going out. All you do is stay home. Um, I mean, my brother and my mom loved it because, you know, at some point, like subconsciously, they started bump into the beats <laughs> I was making. Yeah. But my dad didn't really understand what I was doing. He just thought I was wasting my time until one day i think he was at a bar with his friends <laughs> and a song was playing and people were going crazy yeah and someone was like oh you know Who you know see now your son do this beat <laughs> and since then oh my gosh it's like calling me sars he doesn't call me yeah, by my name anymore because you he calls me sars how does that feel especially for someone like you who initially he was like you know eh, and then he now begins to recognize you as sars <sighs> I don't know, like, I guess that's what it is. I don't even think to date, like, he understands really, like, in-depth. Like, mm-hmm. the rest of my family does. Yeah. You know, they understand my social value. But I don't <laughs> think he understands that. He just yeah. knows that, oh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're not asking him for five hundred naira anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the one probably touching him. I think that when you speak to a lot of people, maybe if their family wasn't really supportive, mm-hmm. and then if there's, like, a complete 360... They always say there's some level of satisfaction and just happiness that comes, especially when your parents now start calling you by the name everyone calls you. It's not even like, you know, your government name. It's not like SARS. That's such a dope thing, I think. Yeah. And but like I said, my mom and the rest of my family. Yeah, they get it. So yeah, yeah, from the get-go. Yeah. Now, you were formally signed to Tribe Records, but you left after your contract expired in November 2013. Yeah. Okay, so can you talk about why you chose to leave as opposed to staying? Um, first of all, I think um I'm not sure per se, but I think there were uh, like in-house conflicts of interest mm-hmm. and stuff and things weren't going as planned. So it was kind at that point it was kind of slowing me down. And before I joined Tribe, you know, I was already size exactly. you know i mean people knew, knew me you, yeah. yeah and i already had a brand i already had something going mm-hmm. on for me so you know the reason why i you know joined tribe wasn't um there anymore mm. so there was just no reason to continue what was the reason you joined in the first place 
to be honest, I mean, I I still have a you know really good relationship mm-hmm. with LD. Yeah. At that point, it felt like only clicks were popping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was EME, mm-hmm. no there was more hits. <laughs> So, and it just felt like, you know, that was the only thing. Like, if you're, there was Chuck Boys as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it felt like if you weren't, you know, in a click, you know, there was nothing for you. Yeah. So, at that point, I was like, you know, what do I stand to lose by joining Tribe and see mm-hmm. what it's like? And that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, I became part of Tribe. And everything started great until, you know, things yeah. started going downhill. Yeah. So, I was just like, you know, maybe, you know, I should just, you know, do focus on myself and yeah. do this on my own. What did your time with the label teach you about being a music producer? Um, I think it taught me more about the business and organization and stuff, you know, as to just um, focusing on creativity. So I learned a lot, you know, while I was with them, just seeing how they handle business and all that stuff. Now, in terms of your sound, at your time at Tribe, did that also... Maybe let you know how you wanted to take your production sonically, or it just you just really didn't pay attention to that at that time. Mm, not really. I mean, for me, I inspire myself mm-hmm. all the time. You know, I I always want to do better. I always want to outdo what's already out there. Not by anyone, but you know, pretty much by myself. Yeah, I never want to be caught sleeping. I'm always on my toes. Because I pretty much don't want to fail. Because I feel like sometimes you hear people like, you know, I was in this situation and just... Because my next question I wanted to ask you is, 2015 was like more of like a silent silent year for you. Maybe you're not really putting out as much music. Mm-hmm. What did that time do for your production? Because sometimes people take sabbaticals, listen yeah. to music, travel, get yeah. inspired. So for you, well, why was 2015 more of a somewhat quote-unquote quiet year as opposed to... 2016, 2017, 2014? Um, I guess, you know, I was putting my career on other people's hands, mm. the artists. So, and, you know, you're only as good as, you know, the music you make us out there produced by you or mm-hmm. by you. And in 2015, you know, I, I have so many songs. I had so many songs done, but not so many were out. And the ones that were out, I said, at the end of the day, even if you make a song in the studio and everyone says it's a smash hit, you just never know. You might put it out and, you know, people are like, eh, it's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so you never know the outcome yeah. at the end of the day. I mean, there are pa- patterns to follow to, you know, making hit records, but it never translates to like a hit record. Yeah. So you just never know until you put it out. So I didn't have as much tracks out there. Not because I didn't want to, not because I didn't have music made, mm-hmm. just because the artists I worked with just didn't put, put it, them out, put music yeah. out. So it just made it feel like, you know, I was quiet. Yeah. But it also taught me that no one owes you anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you're quiet in a year, it's because you're quiet or it's because you chose to be quiet. And also sometimes you don't have a choice. Because I, I, I strongly believe that everything that happens, you know, to... Everything that happens to me in life happens, you know, in my favor. I think that's my motto in life. Yeah. So if um, I was quiet in 2015, there's a reason. Maybe because the next is going to be a better year for me. Mm. So I never, you know, make it, let it get it, it get to me or anything. Yeah. If that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. I always mm. believe it's a reason. It happens for my own good. Yeah. yeah. That's why I said that it's being quiet sometimes. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes you need to go back, regroup, refresh. 
take yeah. some time off for yourself. Mm. So it wasn't a negative thing. It was more like, what did that time? Or, yeah, but know? I mean, the people in the industry still knew that, oh, okay, if you want, I mean, there was still this respect. Yeah, not like yeah, yeah, not like, um, oh, we didn't hear from SARS this mm-hmm. year. Or SARS is out. Or, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't yeah. that. But I, I would see tweets like, oh, where's Beats by SARS? Where's SARS? No head from mm-hmm. SARS. Oh, SARS is I'm not popping anymore. Sometimes I see stuff on Twitter. I'm just like, let me know just going around <laughs> yeah exactly because, i mean everyone you know everyone has a voice on social media mm-hmm. everyone's a giant yeah. on social media. <laughs> yeah so everyone always has something to say yeah so but you just have to ignore you know the, Drown noise. Up the noise yeah and just focus because the moment you drop a hit everyone's going to be praising you mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. like they didn't say you know rubbish yeah now let's get on to some of your biggest records thus far mm-hmm. i say thus far because i saw you tweet 2018 I'm getting money this year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, expecting more hits in 2018. So, my first song is Joel. I want you to walk us through that creative process. The remix or the original? Let's do the remix. I like the remix. Oh, okay. So, um, first of all, we made the original. Mm-hmm. And it was like a street smash. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mainstream, and we thought the song and the slang was really good, and we just had to find a way to make it mainstream. So I made a first beat for the remix, and um, I think at that point, Jabless wanted Olu Maintain on the song, Mm -hmm. and he played the beat Olu Maintain, and Olu Maintain said, it sounds like the original, that we should switch it up. I was like, okay, cool. Then I made another beat, which is the one that came out. Mm-hmm. Then I did that. Jabless did his verse. How did I even make that beat? I actually made that beat um, in my house with... I didn't even make it in the studio. Yeah, I made it with hi-fi stereo system. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been using that to make a lot of... A lot of I still have it. The system is still in my dad's house. Mm. <laughs> Probably going to take a picture of it one day. I show people throwback, throwback Thursday, yeah, yeah throwback size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I made it, and they were, you know, trying to reach out, you know, looking for people to feature and stuff. So, you know, everyone, you know, came together and just used their weights to get people. Um, I think I spoke to Ice Prince and LG because I already started working with LD at mm-hmm. that point, and you know, they all loved it, and you know, they jumped on it. And as soon as the song came out, it was a, an instant smash. Mm-hmm. This was a time when everybody, you know, would go to um, Not Just Okay. <laughs> you know, make sure your songs are Not Just mm-hmm. Okay. If it's not on It's there, not popping. It's not popping, <laughs> yeah. And you know how the comment section of It's Okay was. Yeah. I don't think there was any bad comment on that song. Mm-hmm. When you did the remix, I, I, I always use TY as my reference. He says that you never know what's going to be a smash hit because you may think it's going to be a smash and then you release and it's just people like, um, so did you know that it's going to pop? A jaw remix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew it was going to pop, but if it didn't pop, you know, don't quote me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't quote me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can you guess what my second song is? Nope. Oh, okay. It's from Dark Green. <laughs> Why are you chuckling? That's good. So, yeah, talk about um, Kondo. This was when um, I met that green true Shanks okay. record label, um, Starville. I think they were about to sign him at that point, so they wanted me to work with him. He came to the studio and he had his idea already, and um, he started beating the table of how he wanted the beat to sound like, and I was like, "Say no more." 
Saying I'm a cut. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we made the song and he did one verse and the chorus. I don't think, you know, the deal went through with Starville. Mm. So no one took the bill for the song. The song was just there. Lane follow for months <laughs> wow. until um he was ready to put out his album. Then he called me, Negan called me himself and says, Oh, he would like to put that song on his album and would like us to finish it. And I was like, Oh, no worries. So he came to the studio yeah. and we yeah. finished the song. I think a few weeks after he released it. It was it was cool. You know, I'll I'll see comments, you know, people telling me, Oh, that song is fire, the beat's fire, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it was there was this day I went to Oniru Beach and he was performing. Yeah, and he performed Kondo. Then I saw the reaction. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I see how it is now. Yeah, right? I think that was my first big. Yeah, big song. Big song, yeah. yeah. All right, next one is Kakobi Chicken. Hmm. I think that's one of the greatest reminiscences record. First off. Why so? Why, why'd you say so? First off, that's his breakthrough smash. Mm-hmm. And um, it's unique till date. Yeah, there's no song that sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just feels like, you know, she puts it in a time capsule and mm-hmm. just save it somewhere. Because yeah. <laughs> it still bangs. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to it like, you know, I think in November or early December. And I was telling him that I don't think you can top this, bro. <laughs> <What laughs> I actually told him. He just laughed. Yeah, because that song is so hard. And um, this was when I think the Yoruba influence in music started popping. Yeah. And, you know, we had to tap into that as well. And um, we're at the studio. So I made, I think he, he spoke about this idea of, you know, modern Fuji. And I was like, hmm, I'll try something. Then I made the beat, I made a sketch beat. And he um, had ideas for the verse. Yeah, that's the one emo big niche. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we just kept working on the song, you know, every day until we got satisfied. I was like, yeah, this is it. And we released the song in 2011, mm-hmm. I think June or July. And um, I mean, I always get my credit. Like once I just see it was going on Twitter, people are already going crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. people are going crazy. Like, man, that beat is mad. That beat is so sick. Um, and this is another thing. I think when I started producing, you know, I always wanted to just impress with the beats. And it probably helped me stand out as a producer. But now I'm more of a producer than a beat maker. Mm. I care about the song. I don't care about what the, the beat, beat sounds yeah. like. Yeah, I want to make a great song. Yeah. I don't want to make a great beat. Yeah. But back then, you know, I just wanted to show people like, you know, you can I can do beat. this. Yeah. I can really make, you know, great yeah. beats. So back to... um how could be chicken? chicken? So we released the song and it was just doing okay. Then we shot a video for it. Mm-hmm. The video didn't really come out as expected. Mm. So I think I think I remember this day. I told Reminis that yo, if this song doesn't blow, I don't know what's going to <laughs> I don't know what's going to work for yeah. you. Yeah, because man, like how would you have a song like that and yeah. it won't pop? Yeah. yeah, so he released the video. In January 2012, this was when that Occupy Nigeria yeah, thing. So everybody was at home watching Sound City. <laughs> I think that's one of the factors that made it um made it big. And in February it was a smash. It's funny how I know all these timelines. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> supposed to be journalists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping drugs. Now going back to your comments about you 
starting off as being focused on beat making mm-hmm. to production. When did that switch occur for you? Um, it was it's a smooth transition. I don't think it's a switch. I don't know if I can tell you. Oh, this happened in 2012. It mm-hmm. just you know gradually. Yeah. I just started to understand that less is more. Do what's best for the music. Um, couple more. One is Jai Jai. To be honest, I actually made that beat first for Nato C, and it had um Sakodia on it. But for some reason, I think it was, they were just sleeping on the beat, so nothing happened to it. Then I usually do this a lot. Like after a while, you know, I listen to the beat again, and it doesn't sound as you know fresh as what's going on. So mm-hmm. I revamp beat. So mm-hmm. I did that with that beat, and I think Wiz traveled and he just came back. I don't know where, maybe from London or America or something. Mm-hmm. Then he called me about 20 a.m. I was like, oh, that, you know, we should see, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I went to his house and we're vibing. And I played that beat. And he started, you know, vibing like, you know, I played so many beats, but he was like really in love with that yeah. one. The next day, I think he told me, oh, that he wants to record it and he wants um, Femi Kuti on it. And I was like, that would be dope. So yeah. I went to the studio and recorded it. And, you know, Femi Kuti also, you know, played the sax on it. Mm-hmm. To be honest... Because at that time, the song was also different from Wait. everything Wiz has done, yeah. everything that's out there. Yeah. So I wasn't sure. I was like... A bit apprehensive. Yeah, I was like, oh, is this going to work? Is this not going to okay. work? Yeah. You know, so when the song came out, you know, people were... The review was mixed. Mm. Yeah. And um, some people told me that it's different and they like it and this is a classic. And some people were like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. but, you know, I'm glad that's what it is today because yeah. that's top five or top three yeah. best whiskey songs. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess more recently. Let's, let's come let's come back to, like, last year. This is songs you like, so I don't know why you're telling me <laughs> let's come back to last year. <laughs> it's not necessarily, like, the songs I like. I feel like those are the songs that I thought, like, you said, like, you just kind of follow someone's career and you just kind of see, like, the certain songs or certain, certain albums that, I guess, solidify them as... I guess the giants that they're becoming or they've become. Let's do Come Closer. I didn't think, I didn't really think any, I just wanted to make something different. I made the beat as well. And, you know, I was vibing with, he heard it and he recorded, you know, the verse and the chorus. You know, he recorded so many songs. And like he's, he always says, oh, this is, you know, the most, the one he was most excited about. Later in the year, he was in LA and I traveled to LA and I linked up with him and we went to the studio. And they were playing Come Closer. So in my head, you know, I was just like, I heard the song before. You know, I heard the verse. And I heard the chorus. But he recorded again, you know, in the studio in LA. So it sounded better. Like the quality and everything yeah. was better. Next thing I heard was Drake's vocals. So I didn't even know you it was going to feature well. Drake or anything. Yeah. I was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you feel when you heard Drake on it? I was like, yo, okay. <laughs> it's lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and his verse was... Dope. Yeah. yeah that's really cool i think like a lot of people say come closer like to just open more doors for you as a producer just like sonically it was different but you know the truth is my best works are not even out mm. yeah i mean people that know stars will tell you his best stuff on it's his still, laptop yeah yeah i mean for some reason yeah so but yeah. it's what it is all right let's go into two more songs maradona Maradona. Um, Niniola is a very interesting artist. Like, she has a very unique voice. That's another person that, you know, I have great chemistry with because she listens to me, anything I say. 
Yeah, sure That's do. Because cool, yeah. a lot of people don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's cool because, you know, everyone's a creative person. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody sees creativity from their own standpoint, yeah. from their own perspective. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's cool if you, if I say, oh, I think this should be done this way. If you think otherwise, that's cool too. Yeah. You know, someone just has to... Compromise. Yeah, compromise for the other. But Niniola, she listens. If I say, hey, this is your chorus. That's her chorus. I say, this is your verse. She's yeah. like, okay, cool. And then I think she, you know, believes in me a lot. And yeah. she, you know, just trusts my judgment. What were you aiming to do with Maradona? I know she was, you know, ready to release a new single. And... She's. She always says, you know, she wants to hit the clubs. She wants to, you know, make people dance mm-hmm. and stuff. And she believes, you know, that can be done with, you know, a mid-tempo track. It always has to be, you know, a fast-tempo song. Yeah. So I told her, like, with this song we're about to do, we're going to slow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, different from your other songs up-tempo. that are really up-tempo. And she was like, ah, she doesn't know about that. And I was like, most of your songs... Who produced them? Yeah. She was like, it's you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so just trust me on this yeah. one. So I made the beat and um, she did some melodies mm-hmm. on it. First, you know, some melodies she did, I think the first day, it was okay, but it wasn't really there yet. Mm-hmm. And I think the next day she came again and she just went. <laughs> <laughs> she just went crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. Now, so we started writing to the melodies and, you know, we made the song. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of going back a little, you hear sometimes producers when you ask them, like if they're working with an artist mm. and the artist, maybe on a particular day, doesn't bring their A game. Yeah. And some producers say they don't tell the artist that this is not your best because especially if you're working with certain caliber of artists, that certain artists who know that that was not their best. And then there are some that you have to tell them. So... Yeah, but as human beings, like, you just need to know how to, you know, read people. Mm-hmm. But but that, that comes with comfort and, you know, you need to spend time with this artist. You need to know this artist. You need to know how they think so you, you know what to say. And um, you just don't sound out of place mm-hmm. because there's certain people you tell that, oh, I don't think this is good. And, you know, it will be offensive to them mm-hmm. because maybe they've been doing this for years and you only have, you know one or two years experience yeah. you know you? yeah who are you to tell me this or tell mm-hmm. me that while others you know are open for stuff like they listen yeah especially if you know as a producer you've made a name for yourself yeah but i mean you know it takes it takes time you need to work with this person often so to understand the person's vibe mm. and know you know what the person likes and what yeah. the person doesn't like the last one is obviously sicker that's the one you like <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, you know, you got to Sika, right? Is there one song that you want me to ask you that you think that? No, no? that's fine. Okay. Yeah, we, we made we made Maradona Sika at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it was it was either going to be Sika first or Maradona first. Like mm. the two songs were yeah. ready. How much one were you pushing for? Or which one did you think should have come up? I love both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I didn't know to be honest. I was confused. Yeah, but. You know, my, the guys, my friends around me mm-hmm. were like, Maradona joke. <laughs> That's what Maradona yeah. had to yeah. Maradona did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you, think you kind of touched on that about you and how Ninyala, you work together. Because one of my points is like, both of you are like two peas in the pod. You just work really well. Now, how did you even meet Ninyala? Um, she, after she finished um, Project Fame, I don't know how she heard about me. Mm. But she, you know, she came to my studio. I wanted to work. And, um she had a great voice 
And she didn't necessarily have, like, direction or where to take her sound to. So, but I heard her voice and I knew it just felt like, you know, it would sound good on, you know, house music. Yeah. Or, you know, house infused, whatever. Yeah. How did you even, how did you just think about that? I mean, it was based on your experience, but how would you know that? I mean, her voice just sounds really unique. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, I didn't want her to sound like everyone else, you know, trying to make, you know, Afro pop Pop music. music. Yeah. Because, you know, she didn't sound like that when she was, you know, freestyling. So I just, I just wanted to keep that uniqueness of her voice, but also understand that. Nigerians or Africans in general have rhythm, you know, in their DNA. <laughs> no, but that's true. No, I'm just it's, I'm, I'm laughing because it's true. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, you know, if you make a, a song that has rhythm, it will do better, faster than any other genre mm. of music here. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, you always have to put that, you know, in mind mm-hmm. when you're making music, especially when you know the people you're making music, music for. for. Yeah. yeah. That, I think you kind of touched on something that I always emphasize that a lot of artists need to know mm. that when you choose to work with a producer, you yeah. need to find someone that understands your sound and understands what your voice would sound, you know, great on. Yeah. Not someone who's just going to toss you on different beats and say, okay. I think I think it takes time and I think everybody has to be vocal about, mm-hmm. you know, their insecurities, yeah. what they feel because most people um like producers when they play beats for artists they're always looking for a confirmation like is, you know, you good? Look, is it good mm-hmm. is not but i feel like you should just enjoy it like and the artist like if you if you're not if you can't vibe to the beat like you know you can say something you mm-hmm. don't have to force yourself on the beat yeah eventually if you guys talk about you know what you want what you like you know just even talk about you know life or anything mm-hmm. it just makes the bond stronger yeah. and i feel you work better that way now you are a well-established producer but can you speak about some of the challenges that you still face navigating the music industry in nigeria the challenges i think basically is the structure so the structure doesn't support you know the people behind the music we don't make as much as we should except you know we create a brand for ourselves or you know actually go to the front and become musicians ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah which is bad because sometimes you just want to be you know behind the scenes and you don't even have what it takes to sustain being in scene yeah so um i think that's 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 the major challenge so as actually especially as you know a new producer trying to you know make a living so you can make the right decisions because sometimes just because you have bills to pay and you have to eat you know, you might work with someone that's not even going to add value mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Or you just might make the wrong decisions. You know, you might sign a really bad deal mm-hmm. or anything. But if everything was proper, there's a proper structure, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if, if you make a hit, you, you'll be good for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, you know, you start making wrong decisions again. <laughs> Yeah, so you, yeah. yeah, so structure is the main one for you. Yes. Now, um, do you enforce split sheets and royalties when you produce for someone um recently yes but i mean starting off no because you know once you bring out paperwork it scares everyone away yeah so i mean if i say um if you want if you want to work with size 
you have to, you know, sign the speech sheets and I need X percentage mm-hmm. on royalties mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I'm not the only one that makes good music. You know, there's so many amazing producers out there. Mm-hmm. So this artist is just going to go to another producer because he's not because he doesn't want to do the right thing, but because it's just not convenient. Yeah, which is it's true, but... Yeah, so, but I, in that case, yeah. I'm starving. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the problem. Because I feel like... You have either the enforcement of split sheets on royalties or a one-off situation. But like I always say, I think a lot of people don't really... And maybe that kind of goes to publishing, which is very, I guess, not developed in Nigeria. Mm. But it's one thing for you to do a one-off situation and another thing for you to ensure that... The thing is, at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, when there's a structure in place in Nigeria... Um, the fact that there's no structure now is still going to favor, I think it's still going to favor the producers mm. because as far as you don't have split sheets uh-huh. or any agreement, then no transaction was made pretty much. So you still own your intellectual property with or without a split sheet. Yeah. But if, you know, you sell a beat to an artist and you sign a contract, then I don't know about that. But as yeah. far as you don't have anything, it's still your intellectual property and they can't say, oh, we paid you X amount because there's really no proof. For all I care, you might just dash me money. I mean, but now, I mean, anyone that wants to work with me, you know, yeah. will have to do that. And yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess because of the value I've been able to, you know, bring, you know, my mm-hmm. way. All right. So wrapping it up, what are some other aspects of music production that you're looking to go into in the future? Um, Film scoring. Mm, cool. Yeah, and um, hopefully I'll get some. I'll do some of that this year. On to the fun random questions. Are you ready? Are you ready, Sars? That's my JV voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question is: Who's the first person you tell when something good happens to you? Huh. Uh, there are a few people. Okay. Can be one of my close friends. Can be my brother. Yeah. Was school easy or difficult for you? It was easy. Would have been easier if, you know, I studied. Yeah. yeah. What lesson have you had to learn the hard way? If you don't do something, someone less qualified will do it. And you have yourself to blame. Can you elaborate more about that? If you don't do something, someone else. So yeah. if you don't take a chance on yourself or pretty much like um there are times I was supposed to produce a song for certain people mm. and I did it. And, you know, someone else did that I thought wasn't, you know, good enough. Mm. But it came out great. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily came out great, but it was a smash. Okay. Yeah. Final fun random question is, you're going to have to choose one. Checkmate, Papa Jasko, or Superstory? I watch Superstory more. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, cool. So Superstory. So I'll go Superstory. Superstory. All right, cool. Even though I can choose Checkmate just to feel cool. <laughs> <laughs> Like Does it feel cool? cool. Kids, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched it, but I don't really remember it because mm-hmm. I was young. Yeah, more of super story. Yeah, yeah. Now, wrapping up, what advice do you have for up and coming producers who want to make a positive mark in the music industry? Um, you just have to work, you know, twice as hard as you're working right now because the people up there aren't sleeping. You know, try to improve on yourself every day. You know, take chances. Um, learn how to play instruments. Anything you feel like will just give you an edge. edge. You actually need it right now because it, I think it's harder right now to break out 
you know, as a producer, as an artist mm-hmm. than it used to be. There's so many, you know, great talents out there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you need to do a lot. And then what about sonically? Sonically, like, I think you should just try to create your own sound. When people hear it, it sounds fresh. It doesn't sound like anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's going to give you an edge. But at the same time, don't be alien. Just because you don't sound like anyone else and no one understands you, that's not going to help you. Yeah, but if you sound fresh, but at the same time, it's more like a familiar stranger concept. Mm. So you look at it like you know it, but you really don't know it. Mm. Then, you know, it makes it interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sonically. And I also think, you know, you should learn a thing or two about, you know, music business and the music laws. So no one takes you for a ride. I'm not saying you should know everything in and out, but just yeah. know enough to, you know, protect you yeah. or know enough to make decisions on the spot yeah so when you you know get the chance or when you're in meetings you understand what they're talking about at least you know you understand the basics and you can take that information to you know a professional you know to help you yeah yeah i think that's really important because you just never know who's on your side even if you hire someone to work for you they might not be working for you per se now before i wrap up with the interview i have a random question i tend to believe that as an artist i fall on the spectrum of people who feel like I don't want you as an upcoming artist. Like, people just get to know you, to blow. I want you to bubble under and begin to grow. Grow. Because I feel like once you achieve instant success, mm-hmm. if you can't replicate that, it's so hard. Like, the so-called fans that become your fans once you immediately blow, they're not going to be there. Versus someone who you're bubbling under, you're slowly but surely achieving, you know, that level of success. So as a producer, what school of thought do you tend to fall into? For me, it's wherever it is. Just, you know, if you're up, stay up, you know, just <laughs> work hard. But I, def- I definitely understand, you know, growing. You know, it just makes you a stronger artist. And it makes it just makes everything strong. It solidifies everything. Yeah. Solidifies your sound, solidifies your fan base. You know, solidifies your music in general mm. as to making one song. Because for all you care, maybe the song was written for you. So it's not really you and you blow up with that song. Then it's hard to replicate because now you're trying to be you mm-hmm. because you're kind of confident that you're, you know, big now. Yeah. And people hear the real you and they're like, oh, this is not a hit. Not because it's not good, but that's yeah. just not who they know. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, on the long run, I think it's it's better to grow. Yeah, but, I mean, grow fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. So I, yeah. I'm not saying, like, every three, three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, you're slowly but surely, like, you can see the progress, yeah. you know, so it's, like, evident. Yeah. Apart from making tons of money, what projects, um, what artists are you working with that you can talk about? I'm working with the usual suspects. Mm. I'm also going to, I'm finally going to, you know, release, you know, uh project oh they have a name um not yet and also like collab projects with different artists okay so i'm i'm gonna put out a lot of music this year then also um i have an artist now um his name is flash flash yeah that's the dude on get up my song get up so you know i'm gonna put out you know music for him as well the snc podcast is produced by fola shade anosier and tommy wafaomi To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter 
at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers. <laughs>